You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, go to naturalstacks.com. Oh, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by David Hauser. Now, David Hauser sold a company that he started a few years ago. It's a company called Grasshopper, which is a massive, massive startup that sold for $200 million. And he had one partner and never took outside investment. This dude is super successful in business. And to be totally honest with you, when we had our conversation, I had no idea. I did not know that this guy had just gone through such a huge thing just a few years ago. Um, in our conversation, I had a re- I'd realized that he had done well professionally and he was a successful investor and angel investor, um, but I didn't know that scale. Um, not like it matters because I talked to everybody the same way anyway, but he has taken his uh, focus from growing and selling and being successful in business to being successful in life. And he's written a book called Unstoppable that comes out in April. And he has taken his same approach to growing a business into his own lifestyle creation, biohacking, how he sets up his schedule. And so we cover a pretty wide range of topics from uh, the circular optimization framework, test, learn, repeat, et cetera, et cetera, the concept of optimizing for your family, which I thought was really cool. Uh, And we even talk about the type of shoes that he wears and why he chose those. Um, He's got a great attention to detail and there's a ton of great wisdom. This guy has done a ton of research um, to grow companies and now wants to help people grow and build the life of their dreams. You can head over to his website where he's got the book, unstoppablebook.com, to sign up for bonus chapters and uh, an advanced copy of the book. And also, he's working on a company called Superfat, which is a low-carb snack food for the go-getters. I really enjoyed our conversation today, and I know that especially for people who are trying to balance a lot on their plate at the same time, being good at work, being good at home, just totally optimizing their entire life. There is a a ton of great wisdom in this episode, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Also, Natural Stacks is releasing two CBD products. One is for mood, one is for sleep, and although I have not tried them yet, um, I can't wait to, uh, it's the same approach to quality that Natural Stacks goes into all of their products, and uh, and I know that it's going to be a really, really popular product. The same attention to detail, the same transparency and sourcing, and third-party testing of every batch goes into these CBD products, which is um, pretty extensive. Um, I know that uh, the Natural Stacks team is excited about it, and so you can go to naturalstacks.com slash CBD to get some more information. Also, get some more information about me. <laughs> God, that's corny. Uh, go to seanmccormick.com, S-E-A-N, and then McCormick. Dot com. Um, follow my blog. Go to Real Sean McCormick on Instagram and uh, drop me a line. I'm a life coach. I'm a performance coach. I do some consulting for venture capital and for businesses and groups. And uh, yeah, if you or a group you're involved with are interested in improving quickly, 
send me an email at sean at optimalperformance.com or find me at seanmccormick.com. Okay, that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, David Hauser. You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean McCormick. It's the OPP. I'm a performance coach, a wellness entrepreneur, a blogger, a speaker, a biohacker, and it's my privilege to bring to you the leading experts in the field of performance. So let's dig right in. And we're here with David Hauser, who is the co-founder of Grasshopper, as you may know him, and the author of a soon-to-be-released book entitled Unstoppable. David, welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. So, so my, my first question that I'd like to ask everybody um, is, what have you put in your body today? What have you consumed Ah, that's a good question. So I fasted this morning. Um, I drank uh, water before yoga and during yoga. Uh, and then for lunch, I ate a piece of salmon with um, uh, coconut butter on top uh, and then some greens underneath. I think it was actually broccoli greens or Brussels sprout greens. I don't remember. It was it was part of my meal prep. It was done last week. So <laughs> nice. So like you cooked it earlier and just reheated it, or you planned it all? You planned it all out. Uh, yeah, so I cooked it. Um, we do meal prep once a week usually um, and try to at least do um, five to ten dishes roughly. So it's like one lunch a day um, plus a few dinners. So that way I can kind of spur some things, even if the family's eating something different or whatever. Um, and then I always reheat it in my steam oven. Um, best thing I ever got, little countertop one, so much better than the microwave. Like the food comes out perfectly and we don't destroy it by putting it in the microwave. <laughs> Yeah. Is it one, is it an Instapot or is it something else? No, it's just a little steam oven from uh, KitchenAid, I think, or one of the brands. It's like on Amazon. It's like 200 bucks. Um, little desktop, like toaster oven one, but it does steam. It's, it's awesome. I love it. Nice. So besides water, no caffeine, no caffeine, anything like that? Tea? No, no, I don't drink any caffeine actually. So I'm one of those weird people. Uh, and people always ask, how do you do it without coffee, without this? I don't, I don't drink any caffeine. Have you ever? Uh, I mean, in my life, yes, but I've never habitually done it, right? It's never been a practice like drinking coffee every morning or drinking tea. It's not like I decided to quit. Um, I just, I honestly, I never liked soda, right? So I never got into the habit of drinking that. And then coffee, I was like, eh, eh, whatever. Um, And for me also, caffeine gives me kind of like a jittery feeling. I'm a little sensitive to it, so I just stay away from it. Got it. So we're going to we're going to dive into a whole bunch of things and you are a perfect guest for this podcast because everyone who listens to this is looking for an edge, uh, an, an ability to perform at a higher level, whether that be sleep or meditation or yoga or planning or whatever, uh, supplementation, whatever those sort of topics are, these folks, the, the listeners here are, are, are keen on most of the things that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. And so we are going to be able to go lots of diff- different directions. Um, but I am most interested because, because I'm running the show. So I am most interested in knowing for someone like yourself, who's had lots and lots of professional experience and successes at scale what has been the most eye-opening thing that you've come to discover after your journey of 
being sick and stressed after having lots of professional success. What have you, what have you been most surprised about in your refocusing from professional success to sort of performance success? Mm, that's a good question. I think the most surprising one was my now new love for yoga and kind of mindfulness and meditation. Like if you had asked me a few years ago, like go to a yoga class, I'd be like, oh, come on, don't be ridiculous. Like, why would I do that? Like sitting in a room, stretching, listening to music or whatever. Right. Um, I, I did Ironmans and triathlons and like lifted weights. Right. Um, I, I now practice yoga six days a week. Um, and it's a very active yoga. It's not yin yoga where we're sitting there stretching. It's push-ups and, you know, very powerful moves and holding poses and things like that. But, um, that really changed my kind of, uh, understanding of what it meant to exercise and feel and enjoy exercise compared to beating my body up running 12 miles. What, what, what is the specific, uh, type of yoga that you're doing? Uh, so I, I practice at Lifetime, um, uh, Lifetime Fitness, and it's called Life Power Yoga. It was created by uh, Johnny Kest in Detroit, actually. And um, it's it's a combination of kind of uh, old school Ashtanga and flow or vinyasa flow. Um, and there's some very specific, unique things we can talk about why it's a little different. But I mean, the idea is that there's a lot of push-ups, it's a lot of movement, um, core work, things like that. So, um, but in part of that, you find this mindfulness and meditation, it doesn't mean just sitting there quietly, right? Like for me, the, the most kind of mindful moments are actually in the middle of a flow when you have to remember the next 12 things that happen, right? And getting in that kind of constant stream of like next, next, and just concentrating on breath. Yeah. And, and why is that surprising? Is it because, uh, is, is the, is the love for yoga surprising because it wasn't something that you had put much thought into, or is it because you're, uh, you're maybe, uh, predisposed to like stuff that's macho and kick-assy and yoga is not that. Is it the, is it the, which one of those is it? I think it was the latter originally, right? Like <laughs> yeah. I didn't even consider it. It wasn't even like a thing to think about. Right. Um, and not that I do like a bunch of manly things. Right. But like I, to me, exercise was always like, you know, how, how much can you lift or how hard can you run or bike or like, you know, endurance, like things like that, that, that was just always in my mind. Right. So, so the, the fact that it's, that it wasn't a push, 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 go, go, go. I mean, it is that type of yoga, but it's not as, it's not as uh, hashtag hustle, hashtag grind, hashtag YOLO. It's more like the opposite. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I love cycling classes and I, I've gone to, you know, soul cycling and all those and it's fun. Like, you know, it's, it's great. Like you get your heart rate going. Um, but to me, yoga has been much more of a journey, right? Like I, I couldn't even touch my toes when I started. And so like now I can, I bend over and like touch my toes obviously. And, you know, maybe do a handstand or something like that. But each of it is just a progression over time compared with, you know, how far can I run? Yeah. Right. Right. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to I I want I don't necessarily want to make this uh, all about me, but but I think some of the principles and some of your successes I am I am so respectful of because I know that you're a family man, I know that you have had success professionally, I know that you have you have refocused your life to helping people uh, help themselves and help their own life, and so at what point? in your sort of professional successes and achievements, what was that moment? Can you remember that moment where you're like, what am I 
doing? I have to stop and totally pivot my life. Do you remember what that was? Yeah, I remember two moments. Um, one, I remember walking into our controller's office, like part-time bookkeeper and thinking to myself, wow, these jeans are like way tight. And like, I, I'm like, like there's like fat, like hanging over the side. I'm like, wait a second. I bought these jeans not too long ago and they fit well. And now they don't all of a sudden. Right. So I, I mean, I can vividly remember, I know what pair of jeans they are. I still have them in my closet. I don't wear them because I've lost, you know, so much more weight since then, but like, I know what jeans they are. Right. Um, and then I think the, the other moment was when I started like waking up in the mornings and this was less of like a specific time and more of a progression. I started waking up in the mornings feeling like, wow, I'm just really tired, right? And like, I couldn't point to why, but I knew that when I woke up, I didn't feel like, wow, I'm ready for the day. I felt like, ugh, I want to sleep more, right? And and that to me was like a, a problem. I'm like, this, this is not right. I'm 32, 30, whatever years old, right? I'm 36 now. It shouldn't be that way, right? So it was a, com- it was a combination of, of, uh, of heavy in the midsection and then like, day 720 of waking up tired that was like you know what never mind i gotta do something else yeah yeah for for context because i think a lot of people are going to know your name and they're certainly going to know grasshopper but i want to give people sort of an idea of uh without i mean i'm asking you to brag about yourself and sort of tell people about the notches on your belt but i think for context i'd love for you to sort of explain the sort of business achievement that you experienced um, before making this sort of transition. And I know that you're still involved in a lot of things, but, but can you give us sort of a sense of, of what that was like and what sort of numbers and what sort of uh, scale of business you were dealing with? So, yeah, so we were lucky enough at Grasshopper to scale over a 12-year period from zero to 30 million a year in revenue. Um, and we did that with a team of 40 people. So super efficient. Um, we had a lot of internal processes and things that we, how we got there. And we can talk about those things, uh, for how to be the most efficient in the business. Um, I also scaled my time from, uh, hundred hour plus weeks to like 10, 15 hour weeks, um, in terms of working on the business. Right. So, um, big change throughout that period. And then we ultimately sold the business to Citrix, a large publicly traded company for a lot of money. And how involved are you? Um, uh, what are there companies now that you're still that you're still involved in week to week? Yeah, so I help out a few companies. I'm in an advisor role. There's a few things I'm still an investor in. Um, but after selling Grasshopper and selling Chargeify, which was another business I started, um, those are not on my daily plate anymore. Um, the and now that I've started to move into the health and wellness space, I'm working with another company, uh, Superfat, uh, that creates a, a, a snack product um, specifically for kind of people that are on this, you know, low carb, um, high fat diets. Um, so things like that. Um, my goal really is to learn, right? Um, so I know nothing. I knew nothing about this space moving into it, right? I sold software online, <laughs> and now we're talking about health products, uh, which are physical products in a warehouse, like two different things. Um, and my journey has always been about learning. What is most exciting about the health and wellness space for you personally? 
Yeah. So for me personally, um, I actually approached the space from a technology perspective and said like, and started building a product that was a technology product for tracking all of these data points and doing all these fun things. Right. Um, I actually stopped that because I realized that to really make a change in people's life, um, we had to start with, uh, a little bit earlier in the process before the measurements and talk about fuel consumption. So diet and exercise and things like that. Um, so we had to step back a little bit and I think the technology will be interesting in a few years, but as a, as a whole, we're an unhealthy population. And I think if we're going to empower people, we need to start a little bit earlier in the process. Yeah. How, how early? Uh, to me, I think it, it, like if, if we could like start with kids, right. Um, in school, I think one of the biggest failures we have in our school system today is our school lunch program. Right. And uh, although it got a lot of attention, I mean, if you walk in there and look at those lunches, like I don't even understand how it's considered edible, the stuff that they put out, but it is definitely not healthy when you look at it on a, on a, on any perspective, right? A milk filled with sugar with a pizza because the tomato sauce is considered a vegetable. Like that is just not good. Right. Um, but that's what we put in front of our kids. Yeah. You have kids, right? I do. I have three. Yeah. And, and, um, how do you like to, you, you know, we started by talking about your meal prep, uh, you, that uh, again, like we could talk about food. We could talk about how you plan your, <laughs> plan your meals. We could talk about what you feed your kids. One, um, what is the, uh, uh, yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about food prep because food is obviously something that's, that's important for everyone. And it's, and it sucks because, you know, when you say like school lunches are gross and inedible, you know, some people are going to go, oh, he's so uppity. Like, why can't you just, in, and, and, you know, and it's not about that. It's not about um, being snobby or elitist or a foodie. It's like the food that is served at not just public schools. The food that is served at schools is barely food. It is so enriched. It is so processed. It is so lacking in nutrition. So it begs the question for you in your meal prep and in your day-to-day diet with your, with your family as yeah. now that we have a context for sort of your professional success. And now that we know that you're like, Hey, I'm really compelled to do some more good in health and wellness. Uh, walk us through a little bit about how, how you do food prep and how you like to eat and with your family. Yeah. So this is a bone of contention in our house, right? Um, because, you know, look, I, I understand that the, 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 the kids and, you know, my girlfriend do not need to eat the way I do, right? I've made very specific choices, probably more on the extreme side, because I'm trying to optimize different things than they want to, right? So like, do I eat sugar? No. Do the kids eat sugar? Yes, right? Like, we take them to the ice cream place, like they like the frozen yogurt store up the street, right? Like, but to me, we, we try to make those things experiences compared to just consuming sugar just to consume sugar, right? Um, and in the same way, like in general, we all eat the same dinner. Um, and it's rather, quote unquote, healthy dinner. It's some sort of you know, protein, um, a lot of vegetables. Um, I skip the, the carb where the rest of the family probably eats the potato or the bread or something else. And that's fine for them. Um, and we try to consume foods that are not processed, right? Like that's the goal. Um, so like when I step back and look at school, you know, we're lucky enough that, you know, our, our kids are uh, two of the younger kids are in a school that serves um, a very nutritious whole food lunch. Um, it's not cheap, though. Right. So I understand that, yeah. that they're getting they're getting a special benefit. Right. Compared to others. Um, but that's a valuable thing to us. Right. Um, and, 
you know, meal prep for me, that was kind of your last question, right? Um, you know, this one's like an interesting one. I, to me, I prefer, like I can eat the same thing again and again, right? Um, some people can't do that. But the, the reason I do meal prep is because it guarantees me that I have a healthy choice all the time that meets the requirements I have, right? Where I, like, if it wasn't there, I might not be able to make that choice, which means I have to substitute it with something that's not a whole food, maybe a snack or something else, um, or I have to go out to get food, which I prefer not to do. I think it's a waste of time and money. Um, so having that, and that's why I said, like, we do a few more than the number of lunches because at dinner, I might not want to consume what's being served for dinner. So I'll just, or maybe dinner's late or early because of kids' schedules. I know I have a meal at least two to three times a week to supplement that, right? Yeah. So are you like my house where you're eating something different than your family most of the time? Uh, dinner, I would say about 80% of the time we're eating the same thing. Um, so 20% of the time we're, I'm eating something different. Um, and I, and I try to be flexible too with going out, right? Like again, I'm all about experiences. So going out to dinner can be a great experience. The kids get to play on the play gym. We have fun. We enjoy the time out. I'm not going to say, oh, I can't eat at the Asian restaurant because they might put other stuff. Like I just eat a smaller meal and I eat the food. Like it's all good. I'm, yeah. I'm fine. I, like whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then you don't have that stress and anxiety around, you know, obsessing over, uh, every ingredient on the list. Yeah. That's a slippery slope for sure. I've, I've gone down that path. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not fun. No, it's not. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it, it goes back to quality of life. You know, how, 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 how many details do you want to obsess over for, to what, to what end, like what gains? Yeah. Um, so, you know, since you're, you know, you told me that you're, that you're fasting until lunch. Are you, are you basically skipping breakfast? Do you, do you like, do you just prefer to work out fasted? Yeah. Um, I, I've played with a lot of different things from a fasting perspective. Um, my current um, regimen for fasting is skip breakfast, um, eat a lunch later in the day and then an earlier dinner. So kind of a shrunken eating window as much as possible. Um, so getting kind of 18 plus hour fast in general. Um, you know, but a, a flexible, like I don't time it anymore. I don't look like I just, I stop eating when dinner's over. Um, and I eat the next day sometime in the afternoon, <laughs> yeah. like whatever. Um, yeah. but I've played with all sorts of other stuff. Um, I've done multiple day fasts, water only fasts. Um, I, I really like throwing in every now and then a full 24 hour fast. So, um, there's something weird that happens. Yeah. Weird is not the right word, but like even kind of magical, right? Like you all of a sudden go from feeling kind of hungry and at like, I don't know, 19, 20, 21 hours, 22 hours, you get this burst of energy again, right? Like, and it, and it, it goes well past the 24 hour mark. Right. And it makes sense evolutionary, right? Like body says, okay, I might not be getting food. I need to ramp up and make sure I can go hunt or find food. Uh, but you have to wait to that point to get to that kind of magical moment, right? Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, on the spectrum of analysis on how people approach diet and, and, and fasting, you know, some people may explain that, uh, as you know, you, you're finally kicking into ketosis. Some people may, you know, uh, try to associate that with like a psychosomatic response to, to, to like, okay, well, I guess I'm just not going to eat. I guess I'll just go back to doing what I was needing to get done. Yeah. Uh, you're right. And it's a funny feeling because, um, 
I think that through this podcast and through so many other people's and, and, and resources like yours that's on its way out, um, more and more people are hip to this. More and more people are understanding that, uh, that my plate that's, uh, that's, that's, you know, prescribed as the, as the, you know, USDA way suggestion, uh, to eat is bullshit and yeah. fast skipping meals is good. And, uh, we can thank the people at Kellogg's for telling us that breakfast is the most important meal of the day, which is a bunch of horse shit. And whether it's, you're thinking about it as a, like a, Oh, it's a paleo thing in, you know, in the paleolithic, I probably would have gone 21 hours without eating and then decided, okay, I've got to go keep doing, I got to stay on task. But I think more and people are more and more people are, are, are understanding it. Given your understanding of tinkering around and, you know, just because of what I know of you already is, is you probably obsess quite a lot about this sort of content and how you want to prepare this for people. Um, what do you think is, uh, what do you think is the main catalyst for this shift in the way that we think about nutrition? Like why, why is there a movement toward, um, a more, I don't know, progressive or holistic approach to, to, to our diet performance and exercise? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'll speak to like my personal journey a little bit because I think it answers that question, which is like once I opened my mind up to what I have been doing for a number of years is clearly not working, maybe there's another way. Like, I don't know that it's right or wrong. I don't know any of those things, right? Like, I, I can tell you what I believe. I can tell you what the data says, right? But like, until I opened my mind and said, look, I've been listening to and obsessing over the health recommendations, right, from the government. I, I ate lean meat, no red meat, no fat. You know, I did all the things. I exercised every day. I counted calories, right? But I was gaining weight. I felt horrible. I had pain in my back. Like, I wasn't sleeping. Like, nothing was working, right? So, what could I do? I could either double down, which I had done many times, right? Going from no running ever to running a Boston marathon. Like I doubled down on, you need to exercise more. Um, so when I opened my mind, I think when people start to do that, that's where we're seeing this movement come from, right? People are saying, look, something is not working. Maybe there's another solution. And then we can get into the argument of what's the right solution. We can have arguments about paleo, keto, vegan, all these other things. I don't think any of that matters, right? As long as we're willing to try something else other than what we're doing today. That's all. Yeah. So you think that it's sort of a collective awakening, an individual, but also at the same time, sort of mass scale. Everybody is understanding that the lines we've been fed around food and nutrition are so wrong and so whack and they've been whack for a full generation now longer generation and a half um you think that it's just sort of like there's a tipping point of of bad information and now people are just calling bullshit i think it's a combination of frustration from a personal level right like i continue to be overweight i continue to gain weight i continue to do the things i'm supposed to and we see and then you know on a mass level we see more obesity, more diabetes, more heart disease, like yeah. more di like all of those things, right? And when you put those together, frustration and these large data points, I think that's where it comes together. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And, 
and it's fun and it's interesting and it gains momentum quickly because when you start to tinker around with skipping breakfast or, uh, you know, switching out carbs for fat and then you get that little boost and all of a sudden you feel better and you start to perform at a high level, it's encouraging and, 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 and uh, yeah. Okay. I want to change. I want to change. So I, I, yeah. One thing on, on fasting, right? I think the best thing about it is like, it is literally free or negative dollars, right? Like yeah. I, I'm saving money by not eating the meal. So I'm like, I'm like, it's, I'm getting paid to do this <laughs> and I feel better, right? It is almost no effort, right? Like I get changing diet is hard, making changes to the hat. Like all those things are hard and could be expensive if you say you need organic and pasture raised and all these things, right? But if you just say skip breakfast, like it is literally something anyone could do with very little effort, with a large return and save money, right? Yes. It's awesome. Spoken like a founder and that's going to direct, <laughs> that's going to direct our next, the, the next question, right? Because I think that for, for your perspective and your experience in finding ways to grow, finding ways, hacking systems, um, uh, getting the most out of the least, you know, minimum effective dose. I think that 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 our audience and myself included um, would really benefit from understanding how you think of productivity, uh, especially when it comes to uh, productivity in our health, in our performance. Yeah. Can you walk us through uh, some of the principles? that you have, that you've written about uh, in the book so that we can get sort of a sneak preview of, of how you think about productivity and how it ties into uh, performance. Yeah. Yeah. So what I tried to do with the book and, you know, I, I did this by mistake almost, which was, um, I naturally was applying the same business techniques that I applied in the business from an AB testing standpoint and just from a, just a, the circular optimization framework, right? Like test, learn, repeat, test, learn, repeat, right? Um, I was doing that all day in the business and getting amazing results, right? Like we created a culture that was built on that, right? Um, highly efficient, highly profitable, awesome. And then I'd go home and not do it at all, right? Like I would just, it wouldn't even be a possibility of something to do. It wasn't even thought about, right? So I think applying those techniques to our own lives is the first step. So understanding that we can test, we can make small changes, like that this is possible and that we can learn along the way and that it's very much a personal journey, right? Um, so that's why, like I said, we can argue about the right diet, but I think it's the wrong argument. The, the right argument is you should be testing a different diet, right? I don't really care what it is. And I've personally tested all sorts of ones. So I have an opinion about what works for me, right? But all that matters is you test something and you learn from it and then you continue the process again and again. Right? What's, what's a great place for people? I'm going to keep digging. I'm going to keep, yeah. I'm going to keep digging. What's a great place? Because you're right. The principle is try uh, test, measure, repeat, test, measure, iterate, try something new. Um, what do you think? Cause I know you're big on measurement too, because how are you measuring what you're, are you, is it, uh. is it an aura ring? Is it a DEXA scan? Is it a, you know, a ribbon, you know, uh, <laughs> measuring tape around yeah. your waist? Like what do you measure and what do you test? 
Yeah. So I'm, I'm on the extreme side of measuring, right? Like I measure far too much um, <laughs> and I don't think it's useful. So it's two different questions. One, what do I do and what do I think is useful? <laughs> Those are very separate things. Um, so yeah, me personally, I, I, I wear an aura ring. Um, I love it for sleep. It's one of the best trackers. I've tested tons of them. Um, I actually have an Nokia one under the bed as well. Um, for the longest time, I've loved my, uh, what the Nokia scale, which was now previously why things now is back like they've changed the name twice yeah um i, I have data on that back to 2010 i think oh wow uh, so oh, i bought it when it wow. first came out okay like, literally when it first came out which is really interesting because now i have weight and fat data over that whole period right huh. um but i've done uh I, i've done many dexa scans i think it's a great tool for body fat percentage but it's not necessary right like if i'm measuring body fat with a scale every morning or every other morning or whatever period as long as i use the same scale it doesn't really matter what the number is i can see the change right the dexa scan gives me the right number do i do anything with it no right um but i've also done at home sleep tests i've done in lab sleep tests with the you know sensors all over your face and your body like did I learn anything from them that I didn't from the aura ring? No. Right. Um, but for me, I, I love the data. I love doing the testing. So that was part of my learning journey. I don't think it's necessary. So to answer the question, what I think people should do, I think you should look at number of hours you sleep, pure, easy number, right? Um, don't worry about any, like any other stuff. Um, answer the question, when I wake up in the morning, am I ready for the day? And I can say with like a hell yes. Like that is the old, like either it's no or hell yes. And if it's no, I need to look at my sleep and we can talk about how things we can look at sleep, right? Um, the same for diet, right? Like I never count calories or anything like that. I just answer a question, yes or no. Did I stick to my diet for the day? right? Not a certain macro number. Maybe that's what I had in my mind or whatever. I just want to know, did I meet my requirement for the day? Yes or no? Um, because those requirements change over time when I'm testing things, right? So I step back and measure less things, um, even though I have lots of measurements. The ones that are useful are probably the smaller ones. Okay. So so sleeping hours uh, and asking, your, asking yourself, do I wake up feeling feeling rested and ready for the day. Yep. Hell yes or no. You've got, um, I mean, did I, did I meet my, did I meet my diet requirements for the day? Did I meet my diet requirements? Um, whatever that is. Yep. Uh, and then I, I also look at, um, like brain fog or productivity. Cause me, for me, I struggled with towards the latter part of the day, getting kind of that brain fog, like, uh, kind of feeling, um, loss, loss of productivity. Um, so I, I, I look at that uh, in the early afternoon and the late afternoon. So I want to, you know, get more yeses than nos and find what creates more yeses, right. That I did not have brain fog or whatever the, you know, however you want to measure it, the yes or the no. Right. Um, so I, I, but again, it's, it's not a, it's not a device. It's not anything special. It's not expensive. Like it's a, it's a subjective feeling about how I feel. So do you, do you have, um, software that you like to use for tracking or do you just, do you have a notebook or what's what, or, well, let me, let me ask a different question. Don't tell us what you do. Tell us what you think <laughs> everybody else should do as far as uh, tracking. Put it, put, put it in a Google spreadsheet. That's what I do. Got it. Super easy, right? Like, and look, I was the guy that was building a technology solution to, to integrate all these things and, you know, have the aura ring next to the weight and all these. And I think at some point that will be useful. I don't think it's useful today. Um, and my, sh my Google spreadsheet changes over time, right? So um, when I was doing 
when I was playing with supplementation, the spreadsheet was very much focused on that, tracking what I was supplementing with each day, what time I took the pills, you know, things like that, right? Once I got into a routine I liked, I backed off on that tracking. And now, and we can talk about routine. Now it's just part of my routine. I take the same pills each day and I do the same thing. Like, so I don't have to worry about tracking it anymore, right? Yeah. So what about... Um, um... What about plateauing? You know, when you get into a groove and you and you feel like, yeah, my sleep is good and I have lots of energy. Do you, how do you think about plateauing and and, and specifically like um, metabolically? Um, how do you deal or how do you think about uh, hitting those sort of ruts? Yeah, so I think one one is kind of body wise, right? Like how is the body dealing with it, and then one is mental, right? Um, from a mental standpoint, I don't run into many people that that have that trouble because I think what happens is is we get these small improvements over time, and we just naturally think what we felt like yesterday was normal, even though it's ten times better than it used to be, right? And we're still striving for the next. It's the same reason we get sick, right? Like slowly but surely it happens, and we look back five years later and we're like, oh my God, I can't stand up because my back hurts, right? Um, because each day it feels normal, right? So I think the mental is less of a challenge. Now, the body is, a, is an interesting one. I think, like, I don't have the data yet because it hasn't been studied, but I do believe that the body naturally hits these plateaus that happen as it gets used to whatever it is. If it, if you, if it gets used to always skipping breakfast, if it gets used to always eating a high fat diet, right? Like whatever those things are, um, I think it gets used to. So variation is key, right? That's why I said like I do a 24 hour or more fast to wake up the body and say, oh, okay. Like it's not on the same thing every time. Um, or sometimes like I'll eat, I won't eat sugar because it, it's just, it, ridiculous to eat, you know, purified sugar, but I will eat fruit, right? Like I, I get the same effect from it. The body says, oh my God, I'm not dying. I, you know, winter might be coming. I'm going to store some energy and it wakes it back up to that process. And I think pushes through the plateaus at that point. Yeah. Okay. So you said the magic word routine. Um, uh, again, this, you could, rather than what is your routine, because I, <laughs> I have a suspicion that your routine may be unsustainable for a lot of us, uh, or maybe not. I don't want to make too many assumptions, but how do you think about routine and how, how, how pivotal is routine, f uh, for, you know, optimization of performance? I think routine is the, the most important uh, tool we have period, um, for everything. If it's productivity at work, if it's feeling good at home, if it's connection with family, like whatever it is, routine is the ultimate freeing agent. Right. And it sounds weird, like a routine is the freeing thing, but it really is right. Like my routine is quite simple. Actually, I go to the gym every day, even if I don't work out or do yoga, because it's part of my routine. I shower there. I get ready there. I start my day there. It's part of that constant routine. Right. Um, maybe it's a routine of, you know, a weekly or biweekly date night. Right. With a significant other like that routine frees you up to not have to worry about. Is it happening? When's it going to happen? Is this, you know, things like that. Right. Yeah. Um, so my routine is quite simple, right? I start the day the same way. I try to end the day the same way. Um, I try to go to bed roughly the same time, right? But within like reasonable thing. Like it's not like by 9.15, I must be in bed. Like between nine and 10, roughly, right? Um, and, you know, but to me, the, the other thing that is very powerful with routine that I've learned is calendar. My calendar runs my life. Um, without it, I would get zero done. 
right? So I obviously schedule time for something like this, like we're talking, right? Because we have to do it one-on-one, -on -one. but I schedule time to listen to audiobooks. I schedule time um, to uh, obviously go get a haircut and things that must I do out of the office, but anything in the office too, even just free time, like thinking, right? Um, I'll put on my calendar between meetings, 15 minutes outside, right? Just walking, right? Compared to exercise or whatever, like just walk outside for 15 minutes, right? Um, so without that calendar, I mean, nothing would happen. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. What's the strangest thing on your, on your calendar? Um, I think the most annoying thing for people is, <laughs> is my, my yoga schedule. Cause I put it on there. It is blocked off as a meeting, um, plus time getting ready at the gym. Um, so, you know, and I go in the morning, so it's very hard for people to schedule morning meetings unless it's super early. And I'm, I'm happy to do it early because I think waking up early is the, the biggest hack that you can possibly do to increase productivity, right? People are always like, I want more time in the day. Okay, cool. Wake up three hours early and you have more time in the day because the time that you cut off at the end of the day is wasted. We watch Netflix, yeah. we mess around, we play on our phone, we do something wasteful, right? Wake up three hours early and you are more productive, period. How early do you, what's, what's a typical time that you wake up that's early? Yeah. So I, I wake up probably around, around 6am, um, naturally never with an alarm clock. Um, so, I mean, well, tomorrow morning I have a very early flight, so <laughs> there will be an alarm clock since I have to leave my house at 4am. Um, but you know, on a regular day, no, no alarm clock, just wake up naturally. Um, that shifted a little bit. Um, cause I just moved to Austin, Texas from Las Vegas. So I used to wake up at around 5am in Las Vegas, just naturally. Um, so I don't know if my body's still just adjusting. So I, I got, I, I don't know, maybe it's just where I am located. It likes to wake up at 6am instead of 5am. I don't know. Uh, we'll see over time. Got it. And then are you, you said that your bedtime is between nine and 10 o'clock each night. Yeah. Yeah. And trying to, you know, stop eating at least three hours before bedtime, um, cut down on, you know, light in the house. Like I'm not extreme like the, you know, but we don't have all the bright lights on at night, right? We yeah. try to turn the lights down. It helps the kids go to bed too, magically. <laughs> um, right. Um, I try to stay off my phone, definitely try to stay off my computer. Um, I do watch TV at night, but we turn the brightness down on it a little bit. Um, and obviously on my computer and phone, it's all, I have night shift turned on on my iPhone and I have flux installed on my computer. So if I am using my computer, at least it's, you know, in a, in a red spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you rock the blue blocking glasses at all? So I've played with them a lot. Um, I, I honestly didn't find a lot of impact from them. So during the day, I found it did help a little bit with kind of eye strain because um, I look at the computer most of the day. But as soon as I put flux on the computer, I just didn't need the, the glasses anymore. I mean, it just does the same thing and I got used to the red screen. Um, and then, so I do use the, the, the total blue blocking ones um, when I'm taking uh, overnight flights. I do find that like, wearing it from the time I leave the house until I get on the plane just allows my body to say, okay, I can sleep on the plane compared to walking around in a bright airport and then trying to sleep a minute later. Right. Yeah. Um, that I found some benefit in, but at home, not so much. Okay. So I've got a couple of, I've got, um, a couple of different topics that I want to just sort of, uh, get your sort of, your wisdom on just in yeah. um, just different different ways. Do you like the term biohacker? No, what do you I do? don't at all. What do you prefer? Um, 
you know, to me, it's more about personal optimization. So like when I look at it and, and what I named the framework is the human optimization framework, because it's about these small incremental changes and it's not hacking things, right? Like I understand the term. Um, and to me, I think it's been a little bit corrupted by some people in that the, the goal of biohacking has been changed into this like live a long time kind of idea, right? Um, to me, like I, I don't, I want to live a long time. Yes. I don't want to live forever. I don't want to be 150, right? Like I want to have the intersection of longevity and health. So I want to be as healthy as possible for as long as possible, right? And I think that those types of things that are very extreme in the kind of biohacking world just don't make a lot of sense, right? Like taking pharmaceutical drugs and things like, yeah, maybe there's a benefit, like maybe, but do I really want to find that out? I don't think so. Like I'd prefer to feel good now and have a long, good life. So when, so um, instead of the term biohacking, you think of it as human optimization. And that of course applies from scheduling to meal prep to date night to, I mean, it's everything really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that when we're optimizing ourselves, the, one of the core things for me at least is optimizing family too. Right. And when I say optimizing family, it sounds weird, right? But like (laughs) I want to optimize for connection. Right. And, and I think biohacking misses out on that. Like this has nothing to do with like my body. This has to do with my life around me and the people I'm connected to. Um, and if you look at the, the data, some of the strongest data for longevity has to do with connection with other humans. Yes. Right. So if I can optimize that, I, I think that is a much stronger thing to, to play with and it's enjoy, like you enjoy it right along the way. But I think that's a stronger mechanism to play with than some of the other things that some people might experiment with. Yeah. Yeah. People in the blue zone that are living in, you know, they're living to their hundreds. They know all of their neighbors and they walk 10 miles a day and they say hi to the same people on that walk. You know, they take their time, they go slow, they sit around and talk about nothing for hours a day. Like, like a, an, an hour lunch is a short lunch, yeah. right? Like, I mean, the, obviously I understand that we can't all do that, right? But we can take clues from it and say, okay, maybe I can slow my dinner down even if I can't slow my lunch down because I have things to do during the day, right? Maybe I can, I can make more genuine connection with the people around me and put my phone down. Maybe I can turn off the news, right? And remove the negativity, right? And if you look at what connection really means, connection means connection with the people directly around you. Uh, and I think when we lose that, when we start connecting on Facebook and the news and you know things that are outside of us, that feels connected, but it's not. How do you define the word balance as far as life balance? Yeah. So I actually hate this, this balance word. Um, <laughs> you hate and, the word balance? Yeah. So especially when it, in regards to like work life balance and life balance, um, I think the better word is integration, right? I think work and life should be totally integrated. Um, so I have the ultimate freedom. Right. So that means I'm not stringent about like, yes, I reply to emails at night. Yes, I reply to emails on vacation. I'll take phone calls on vacation. Right. Um, Because it means that I get to go on the vacation more often. I get to do the things I want. I can go to the kids game. I can go to the like all of these things give me freedom. Right. So and it's integrated. Um, That's one. Two, I want my kids to see the work that goes into their life. Right. Because they get a lot of benefits from the things I've done. 
right? And I don't want them to be, quite honestly, spoiled brats, right? Like that, that is a fear of mine, right? For lots of reasons. Um, but I want them to see the hard work that goes into being able to have the things that they want to do or go on the trip they go on, right? Or the experience that we get to have the privilege of doing, right? So I think it's a good learning opportunity compared to like, I will never respond to an email on vacation. Like that's silly, right? Um, and I think when we, when we look for balance is when we start to fail, when we try to integrate is when we succeed. Do you think that that applies also to people who work nine to five jobs though? Yeah, for sure. Right. Because most nine to five. So like if we're in the information you know, economy, right? Like if I have a blue collar job where I have to be in the factory floor, it's a little more difficult. Right. But a lot of companies have started to move to work at home on certain days, take half day, you know, do things like that. Right. Um, I think we can integrate those things. But if we have a, a set schedule, I think we can still work on integration in the same way where instead of coming home and saying, I need my time only. How do you how do you integrate your time with family time, right? So instead of separating it and saying, "Oh, I need to, I need three hours to watch TV and veg out and you know relax from the day," how do I integrate my family into that and watch a movie together, right? Like it could be very simple compared to balancing one hour here, one hour there. Yeah, no, I think that's an excellent point. I mean, this and I'm similar. You know, I'm a I'm a performance coach, a life coach, consultant, a podcaster. You know, I I um I used to own brick and mortar wellness flotation therapy centers, you know, float tank centers. And I think that it's important for my kids to see that I have to have phone calls like sometimes in the middle of the day. I think it's important for my kids to see me exercise at home in the living room so that they know like, oh, so that's how it works. It's not like he d- daddy's gone for a while and then he comes back. And he's focused on me. Like it's, it, you're right. I pick and choose. And I think, uh, I think communication is a massive part of how this works. Communicating totally up clear to your children, your significant others, your family, your, your parents, your, your friends, like, Hey, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. I'm, you know, um, of course I want to go watch the game and get a beer with you. Uh, of course I do. However, I'm really focused on this at this time. Let's, let's, let's circle back around in a couple weeks and maybe it's annoying for my, for my friends and family, you know, and, and, um, maybe it is, maybe it's not, but I, I feel like that, that transparency and openness and honesty and communication with your friends and family is an important part of, of really being authentic and showing up and, and making all of it work at the same time. Uh, how much, how much focus do you put on, on communication? Yeah. So I, I think I learned this a lot more when I had kids, right? I, I think we yeah. ignore this. And like my mom always told me, oh, communication is important and especially in a relationship. Right. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, mom, whatever, whatever. Right. Um, but when you have kids and especially little kids, you start to realize how quickly that we're like, we over communicate to them. Right. And then we stop doing that in other parts of our life, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. So that to me was a great mm. learning experience. Right. Good point. Like, like, and like even the easiest thing of like saying thank you and being co- congratulatory of like the kid taking a step. Right. Like it's, it's not a really important thing. Right. But we're like, oh my God. Right. And, and then, you know, we don't do that to other people when they do something that's really great. Right. Um, so I think communication is important. Um, and to your point, like I, I would, I would prefer to have in some cases less time with certain people, um, but more connected time. Right. So like if I'm, if I'm disconnected, but I see you three times in the week, 
that is far worse than seeing you one time in the week, right, as a friend or whatever, and being totally connected and engaged in that three-hour experience together. Right? Yeah, that's an excellent. That's an excellent point. Yeah, I was going to go down uh, a rabbit hole around other people's expectations of 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 us and our time, but. Eh, <laughs> I don't want to make make your friends mad. I don't want to make my friends mad either. I mean, what I'll say, what I'll say about people is like, I I think everyone should feel the power to remove negative people. Right. Like, and just say no to them. Like when I learned that my life got way better in lots of ways, like just saying no, like, no, I don't want to do that with you. No, I feel like doing something different. Like, or just removing that negative power from other people. I think I mean, for me, it gave me a lot of power to do that uh, and a lot of en- like uh, not enjoyment from removing the people, but enjoyment in my life fo- in moving forward. Right. One thing that and, and I'm sure that it made, made made sense as you were saying it, but I think that there's a really important detail instead of saying when someone invites you to do a thing or whatever, instead of saying, oh, I'm busy or oh, I can't. Well, you can. And no, you're not busy. What you're saying is I don't want to do that. Yeah. That alone, that, that concept. And, and for someone who's, who's, who's had as much, you know, achievement as you've had, um, it's probably easier because you learned that probably a long time ago to just like, no, I don't want to go do that with you. Like, you don't have to be an asshole, but you can say like, no, it's just not something I'm interested in. And people respect that. Can you speak to that a little bit more? Yeah. So I I think from a business perspective, where I learned this was meetings. Like I hate lunch meetings, coffee meetings, like don't ask me to one and people do. And I'm not mean about it. I'm like, look, I would much prefer to have a phone call. It is far more efficient for me and you. I don't need to drive 30 minutes. You don't need to drive 30 minutes. Like I don't need the free lunch. You don't need the free lunch, right? Like we don't need the coffee. Like I get that there is a reason to do that for connection. But if we're talking about like, how can I be efficient? I am very stringent on that. Like to meet in person is a, is an extreme, right? Um, maybe it's the beginning of a relationship or a very important relationship, but like I would much prefer to have a phone call. I think it's far better, right? But saying no, like I don't want to do that has become very powerful for me. I stopped drinking alcohol um, probably about a year and a half ago. Um, I like Not because I had a problem, but I like I drank like socially most of my life. Um, I decided I'm going to test not doing it. I had done this once before and I felt good. Um, so people ask me, Oh, you want to go out and get a beer? I'm like, my answer is very simple. Yes, I will go out. Don't ask me if I'm going to drink because I'm not going to like just plain and simple. I will enjoy myself. Don't worry about me. Don't ask me if I'm doing okay. Don't like, as long as we understand the parameters, I'm happy to do it. If you wanted to go do something else, I'm also happy to do that. We can go bowling. We can go race car driving. We can do we can do a hundred other things that I think we will both have more fun doing than sitting around drinking. But I'm okay doing either. But I'll I'll say it up front. That's powerful. That's powerful. That's a powerful piece of wisdom. Yeah. How do you think about love? How important is love in your life? I think love is 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 super important. I think it's it's a part of connection, right? Um, and you know, th- I think there are there's multiple types of love. One, like with kids, right? Like kids is just a totally. And I didn't understand this until I had kids. Obviously, people always said it, but like it is just different, right? Like there is nothing that compares to the love you have for a kid. Um, to this, and it does not compare to love for a significant other, right? And people always try to like sugarcoat that, like oh, you know, it, like you always love your kids more, 
right? Like that is just how it is, right? And I think that's the natural thing. Um, but I think love and connection is super important. Um, and, and it could just be love and connection in a community, right? It doesn't have to be in a, in a relationship, right? Like I know a lot of people that are not in a, in a, a love, you know, love-based relationship, but they are in love with their community. They are super connected to a small group of people, right? And they generate love in that way. Um, and I think that's what we find when we look at like these blue zones, right? Like people have generated love for community that far outweighs love for self. So who's your community? Yeah. So for me, I have, I, I have the yoga community one. Um, that's been a more recent thing. So like over the last four or five, uh, oh, probably almost six years now. Um, you know, and, that's not, that's not that recent. Yeah, I'm, I'm, just trying, I'm like thinking back. I'm like, um, but I, I did move. So, so now it's a, it's a new yoga community, but it's, it's, a, it's a group of people I see every day. We, we get to know each other and kind of build that naturally over time, which I think is a great experience. Um, I have a core group of entrepreneurs around me that I, that I have spent a lot of time working with. And I just self-identify with them, right? So like that to me, I think is a very powerful community because it's not based on location. Um, it's not based on ethnicity. It's not based on religion. It is based on a shared interest in, in like what we do. Um, so there's a lot to share uh, and the people are super engaged in it, right? Um, so I love that group. Um, I think those are probably the two most important kind of community aspects for me. And what do you, and what do you get uh, to take it a little bit further? Like, what do you get, what do you get from that community? And also what do you contribute to that community? Yeah. You specifically. Yeah. So I think what I get from the community is like, I, I am a person that has very few friends, right? Like I can count number of friends on my hand. Right. Um, and like real true friends. Um, and I think there's some people that have the opposite. They, they couldn't count, like be like all their fingers and toes. Right. Um, so for me, like that's part of like what I get from community is connection outside of those friends, right? Um, where it's a different set of people, it's a different set of challenges, um, and it's still safe, right? Because I, I, I'm not like that outgoing social person that's going to do that on my own. So to me, it's, it, it, it helps in that. Um, hopefully what I give, um, especially in the entrepreneurial community, like in that group of people, is you know my experience to be able to give back, um, not in the way that most people think like, oh, I know this. But to be able to share my experiences and say, here's what I did, right? Take it for what you want. Um, and and sure. my experience was this. And I've just been lucky enough to have a lot of those experiences at a large scale, not large, but a reasonable scale business, right? Um, and say, here's what I did. Here's what I thought about. Here's what I was scared about. Here's where I you know, found challenges or here's where I found success. Perspective. Perspective is important. Yeah. Still with the still with the quick short topics. Um, yeah. Who do you who do you uh, rely on for support? Yeah, um, I think my girlfriend is is probably the first place. Um, she supports me in a lot of ways. Um, one, she does all the meal prep. She she is put up with all of the the BS of me doing a thousand different things and turning lights off and switching things in the house and putting in a water <laughs> filtration system and like doing all this crazy stuff. So like she, you know, part of that support is just putting up with it, right? <laughs> yeah, I, sounds familiar. <laughs> um, you know, and I think in the, the other side of that too is when I face challenges, she's been very supportive in saying like, you know, it, it's okay, like you're going to fail and like reminding me that that's okay. 
Um, the, the one area that I always look back on and I say like, this is what she contributed the most in my life, um, outside of kids and you know, the things that we do on a daily basis is like, she really solidified in my mind, the difference of experiences over things. Right. And like, that's how I've kind of classified it. And we're, we're going to, we're working on putting our family core values together and hopefully that becomes one. Um, but like, she always said to me, like, I don't care how much money we have. I don't care what house we live in, but I want to be able to go on trips with the kids. I want to be able to take them places. I want them to be, to experience things. Right. Like that's how she represented it to me. And I, I've taken that to heart and said, okay, like, how can we get rid of all the things we have? Right. And like, we live in a nice house, but I prefer to, instead of buy toys, like, can we go do something together as a family? Can we go, it doesn't have to be travel. Like maybe it's just down the street to the zoo or whatever. Right. But can I spend that money on doing something that's an experience that we're going to remember and we're going to enjoy together? Yeah. I think that's good. That's good wisdom. So I think you've probably already answered that, or maybe just did just now, but, um, how do you think about accountability? Do you have someone that helps keep you accountable? Are you just like dialed with your own sort of personal accountability? Like what, what sort of systems or metrics have you set up in your life to keep you accountable to the things that are important to you? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm probably weird in that. Like I go to the extreme in this way. Like I don't, I've never needed someone to hold me accountable for stuff, um, in business or in, in my personal life. And I've done all sorts of, like, I used to do like the goal setting personally and all these other things like, you know, that you're supposed to do, right. Like as you start to read about and, you know, educate yourself on, in this world, right. Of kind of personal optimization. And none of them really had an effect for me. Cause like I'm, I'm relative, I'm very driven, um, probably obsessively to an extreme in a lot of things. Um, so I think adding that additional layer just slowed me down a little bit. Um, but I think it's powerful, right? And like, we use it for our kids. Like we put goals on the board. Um, we, we are very, we communicate them, we set them, we measure them, we use uh, points or check marks or whatever, right? Like, so I understand the power of it. I, I just don't use that tool for me. Interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know this already, but for, for some folks, it's just in them. They're just, they, they don't need that double check. They don't need that, uh, that extra mechanism. They just, they're just obsessive and, and that's okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, some of, I mean, I'm, it's a I'm different, sure it's a have... different challenge. Like it's, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it is not necessarily good or bad. It has a lot of negatives. Like my obsessive nature of a lot of things has caused problems and is, is negative in a lot of ways, but it has positive effects too. Right. And as much as I can, I try to use more of the positives. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and case in point, I mean, your, 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 your professional achievements, um, hurt your health and made you unhappy and tired and heavy. It sounds like, and, and it was, you know, it was a, it was, it was time for you to move on to that next thing. So, and that obsessive nature, you know, that, 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 that attention to detail, you've been able to, to, to funnel that to, you know, a disciplined yoga practice and, and, uh, you know, valuing sleep. Um, what, what haven't I asked you that, that, that's really, that you're really excited about? What's one thing that, that we haven't covered that, that you really were hoping that, that we would, uh, that we would get to today. Um, 
I, I mean, I think we talked about sleep a little bit. Um, I think to me that to, that's a very important thing to me right now. And I think is, is super valuable, um, and making very small changes there. So like switching out pillow, um, testing out maybe a new mattress, right? Like, and these were like discoveries I had in very odd ways, right? Like I was sleeping on my RV when we were camping with the kids and I'm like, why have I had like the best sleep I've had like in weeks? I'm like, wait a second, this is a brand new mattress we just put in here. I'm like, why don't I buy one of these at the house? <laughs> like very simple stuff. Right. Um, and that had far more impact than all the work I did with supplementation and, you know, magnesium and this and that and whatever else to try to improve sleep. Right. Like I bought a new mattress. <laughs> um, what kind of, ma- what kind of mattress was it? Uh, so, so, uh, so this is an interesting question that that was a, a tough to needle mint mattress. Um, love it. Um, however, I actually prefer the Layla mattress because uh, we bought one for the guest room when we moved. And I slept on that for two weeks when we moved. And it's far better. So I'm going to have to buy one for myself now. But uh, that, that mattress and the Layla pillow are awesome. Love them. I'm not uh, – that's my wife's name. Uh, uh, what, what – what, I've never heard of the Layla mattress or the Layla pillow. Yeah, it's, it's a smaller brand. Um, it ha- it's like copper infused to, you know, kill some bacteria and lower temperature, but it's a, it's a memory foam mattress like everyone else. I just, it's a little bit softer, um, but it's not soft. Like I just love it. Um, huh. but I, I tested a lot of them. I have a lot of, a lot of mattresses. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you keep all your extra mattresses? You just have a pile of mattresses in the garage? For, for a while we did. And then, then I, I just started donating them because, uh, I, yeah. I, A, they're not useful and, um, someone could use them. I, I slept on them for like, you know, a month or two months. Right. Um, to test. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we got, um, not to, not to give you another mattress to test, but, um, we got an organic, uh, organic latex, with a wool, with an organic wool, uh, pillow top. Yeah. Um, and we absolutely love it. I like a firmer mattress. I'm sort of a big guy. And so, uh, I like, I like the added support, but I like it soft on the top. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife is really sensitive, uh, to like f- aromas and artificial stuff like that. Yeah. So we, there's a company here in Seattle called, um, soaring heart and they make, it's all organic. I mean, the sheep are like <laughs> sung to <laughs> sung to sleep every night with lullabies. So their so their wool is like elevated consciousness wool. I mean, you could dork out really, really far, but, but again, like it's a third of your life. You might as well, you know, shoes, uh, uh, mattresses, those things that you use every single day. Well, that begs the question. What kind of shoes do you like to wear? Oh, uh, so I, I, I did a lot of testing with this actually, but the problem with shoes I have is uh, one is I want functionality, but the other is I want it to be easy to use. Like I don't want a different dress shoe compared to a regular shoe. So like I'm optimizing for things outside of just, uh, comfort. Like I wear the same set of t-shirts. Like they're like, you know, five colors of solid t-shirts and jeans every uh-huh. day. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so the, the shoes need to be able to transition from, you know, walking around to a meeting at night. So I have on, um, these vans that are like, can we see them? Can you, can you, can we see them? Yeah, yeah. at least one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 I mean, it's a van like sneakery. Oh yeah. Oh right? yeah. So it's not like the regular vans. It's kind of a little, and it's a nice fabric. 
Uh, yeah, wide wide toe box. Let your yeah. let your let your little piggies spread out. And it and it's you know has a little bit of cushion in it, not too much. Um, super soft sole. Like I don't want like a lot of support. Um, so I mean, yeah, like I. But yeah, so I optimized for different things there, and I tested <laughs> far too many shoes. Far <laughs> far too many. Luckily, it, it's easier than mattresses, and there's a better return policy. <laughs> Yeah, right. Well, that's your thing too. Like you can, you can feel okay about testing a lot of different pairs of shoes when it's, it's part of your, I mean, you're writing a book for Christ's sake. You should should be able to test lots of different things. Um, and it's funny, like I I have a little WhatsApp group of people that like, you know, we all test stuff like this. So I I sent out a message about shoes and I got so many answers. Like uh, it's same with mattresses, right? Like it's like so many Uh, to me though, it's still the same question of like, Am I open to the idea that something could be better than what I currently own or what I'm currently doing, right, for the mattress or the shoe or whatever? And just trying some of them, I'm going to get the benefit of saying, oh, I really like the original one better or whatever it is, right? But if I'm just okay and just keeping doing the same thing and not intentionally making a choice about it, I think that's where we lose, right? Well, and it goes back to your earlier point about the principles that you followed in your in your business success. You apply to your to your life, to your sleep, yep. to your food, to to the way that you get support. Like test, measure. Wait, how did you? How did it go again? You did yeah, this thing uh, with your <laughs> hand circle. Like what? It's just, Explain. It, it's just it's just test, measure, um, and repeat. Right? I mean, it's it's the same circle again and again. Um, and I keep doing. You keep doing more and more tests. Some of them you go down rabbit holes and are not very useful. Some of them you make massive discoveries and are super useful. Uh, but you never would have found them if you didn't go down the rabbit hole before that, right? So, it's just a constant journey and process. Yeah. Okay, so before we take this thing home, uh, David, I've got the same question that I like to uh, that I like to ask everybody. Um, it's actually not a question; it's a fill in the blank. So, if you would uh, complete this sentence, everyone should know that everyone should know that routine is the most freeing thing possible. Yes, excellent. David Hauser, thank you for joining us today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Wait, 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 wait. No, that's the first time I've screwed that one up, but I'm just going to leave it in. I'm not going to even edit it out. Tell everybody where they can find you, how they can get in touch with you. Um, tell us about the yeah. book, where they can find the book, when it's coming out. Give us all your all your follow-up details. Sure. Yeah, so uh, Unstoppable is coming out um, April timeframe unstoppablebook.com. You can sign up now for the mailing list to get an early copy um, as well as get some bonus chapters and stuff like that. Um, you can find me on Twitter at at DH um, and I'm on Facebook too. Quite honestly, I don't use a lot of social media, but I'm on there. Um, my website, davidhauser.com also has my personal email address. So, um, you know, people always say, how do I talk to David? Well, if you can't find the email address, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it, it's pretty easy. Um, and, you know, like all you got to do is look for it. So I'm pretty open to talking to people and helping any way I can. You know, my my core purpose uh, is empowering others to succeed, right? And, and hopefully the book does that um, and gives something back to, to a community of people that care about this. Um, and I can, you know, push my purpose for, forward. Awesome. 
Thanks, man. I'm 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 really looking forward to to digging into the book because I think that there's a lot that we're kind of on the same page with, but a more sophisticated way of looking at it and testing and measuring uh, is something that I know that I that I could really benefit from. So um, yeah, we'll get you an early copy. Sweet. Yes. Yes. I didn't even have to ask you. I appreciate that. <laughs> David, uh, this has been a great conversation, man. Thanks for joining us today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Appreciate it, Sean. Thanks. And scene. Cool. Oh, sliding in at the very end with a little outro today. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. And it's been so much fun to get the great feedback that I have from some of you that listen every single week and that have been listening for years. Thank you very much. It means a ton. Also, if you would, please subscribe. It does a major improvement to our numbers. So if you please would subscribe. And if you dig this, please post it on Facebook, share it, interact with us. And uh, drop me a line, Sean at OptimalPerformance.com. I got some free advice I'd love to give to you. Thanks again for listening and till next week.